0: Hey, welcome to West of Everest. Jumping right at you today, I'm Lee Benson, and it's OU Nebraska Week. First meeting between these longtime rivals since the 2010 Big 12 Championship game when the Sooners gave the Huskers a proper send-off on their way out to the Big 10. Joining me today, as always, to preview this Saturday's contest, none other than Grant Benson. What's going on, Grant? Nothing much, Lee. Actually uh, recording
1: this from a hotel room in Denver right now. I'm in Colorado for, I think I said this last week, uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers are playing at CU on Saturday. I will be at that game. I'm excited for that game. That's going to be, uh, it's a venue, it's kind of a bucket list venue for me, and uh, really excited to see a game there. I, I, I don't anticipate that it's going to, the stands will be full or anything like that, but uh, really excited to see the views of that.
0: Should be a fun time. I don't know. After the way the Buffaloes played against A&M last week, almost knocked them off. Maybe that fan base is going to be super energized for the Gophers to come into town. I, You know, I don't think so. But um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you watch
1: any of that game last week? It was it. it seemed no. like from TV that, because that game was played at that Mile High Stadium where the Broncos play. And to me, it seemed like it at
0: least half the crowd was Texas A&M. At least half the crowd. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the Aggies will—they'll travel, uh, but that's cool though. That's uh, that's an interesting matchup. You got two teams with gold as part of their color scheme. That's pretty interesting, and uh, I had no idea they were playing this season, so that's pretty fun. Uh, and yeah, you so you're on the road. Uh, for me, it's a bit of an unusual week as well. Really, a weird week for both of us here on West of Everest. Normally, we record these things early early Wednesday evening. Instead, you and I are up bright and early Thursday morning here heating up the microphones, and that means that we're a day closer to Saturday, which should mean that all of our predictions for this upcoming week and this upcoming game should be coming true or have a better chance of coming true, which I, I, I think that's what that means. But uh, I don't know. Uh, nah, I don't, know. Stay, I don't tuned, know. stay tuned to find out. Stay tuned. I was able to uh, –
1: I so I, I drove down to Colorado, and that's about a 12-hour drive and uh sort of in the in, in this new pandemic reality I've sort of I've liked these long drives just like anything to get me out of the house and so that's why I drove down here this weekend and I was able to listen to a few hours of of Nebraska podcasting um, so I could get sort of a feel of what what their fan base thinks or what their media thinks about the team and so I think there's definitely some takeaways from that I'm excited to talk about it
0: that's good because I have no feel I have no clue what yeah, and like what Nebraska is saying, I've, I've heard a, a little bit from Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez from their earlier press conferences this week, but I mean, it's just the same stuff you would expect. I have no, like I said, I have no feel for what the fan base is thinking and what their podcasters are thinking. So that should be an interesting part of this podcast. So let's get right to it. OU Nebraska, the Sooners favored by 22 points as we speak here on Thursday morning. I think both of the matchups in this game are intriguing as far as OU's offense against Nebraska's defense and Nebraska's offense against Oklahoma's defense. But I think the matchup that I'm slightly more intrigued by is OU's defense and how it will fare against Adrian Martinez and the Nebraska offense. So let's start with that here at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, We'll go to you first, Grant. What have you seen so far from the Huskers offense that stands out to you? So I think obviously a lot of people still have that Illinois game
1: from week zero pretty fresh in their minds. And I think that's that's sort of the, the picture everyone has of Nebraska right now when they're breaking down this game. Um, I'm not sure that's exactly correct. But also at the same time, you know, from what I've seen of them, they don't have a particularly explosive offense. Uh, essentially everything runs through Adrian Martinez. Everything. Um, he's their leading rusher. Obviously he's their, he's their leading passer. Um, if Adrian Martinez does not play well, Nebraska has no chance of winning a football game is essentially uh, my takeaway from watching them. And you know, Adrian Martinez is a guy who, I think is his fourth year now as a starter at Nebraska. I think he came in the first year as Scott Frost and he came in with a lot of fanfare. And he's been kind of one of those guys, right? who just hasn't gotten better at all since he's been in college. He's just been sort of the same guy over and over again. And when I watch him, I you know, I'm not super blown away by him. his His arm talent is not particularly imposing. And also, you know, he is mobile. He obviously he can run, but also like I, he's not particularly explosive. I don't think as a runner either. Um, I do think a big part of this game is gonna is gonna be just keeping him in the pocket. If OU is able to keep him in the pocket, game over. I mean, it's it's done. If if, if he can't get out and and sort of you know create with his legs. Um, extend plays with his legs to find open receivers, the, the offense bogs
0: down really quickly. See, I disagree with you about his running ability. I think he is an explosive runner, and he's had a handful of explosive run plays so far this year, and that is, is easily his best asset. He is incredibly athletic. I, I, I think he's easily going to the be the most athletic quarterback Oklahoma sees all season long, and the only person that might compare is Max Duggan at TCU. But I think, I think Martinez is, is a much better athlete than him, and his his legs worry me. Uh, he is really good at running. The thing is, is he's one of those guys like you mentioned. This is his, is his fourth year starting. He wants to throw. He wants to sit in that pocket and throw and go through his progressions. Uh, and then when it breaks down, he tries to run. So that's what kind of interesting to me. He's I think he's a throw first quarterback. He's just not. He's not that good at it. <laughs> he's he's not as for a guy that's been here for so long you'd think he'd improve and improve and so far through three games again it's a small sample size he is having his best season as a as a Nebraska quarterback as far as passer rating I mean he's his passer rating is is 30 points higher than it is for his career so far I mean he's he's playing a little bit better but a lot of that is coming from the last two games against Fordham and against Buffalo against Illinois he was not a good throw over the football and he missed a lot of throws in the middle portion of that game and he completed only something like 50 percent of his passes and he looked uncomfortable had a turnover so the the big question at least to me is what is he more like in 2021 what we saw against illinois in game one or what we've seen the last two games against lesser competition against fordham and buffalo and buffalo is not a bad football team. They've been one of the better teams in the MAC for the last handful of seasons. I believe they won the MAC in a shortened season last year. Won the MAC last year and returned 17 starters. And their quarterback is, is pretty solid. Van Treese, I think. And, and we can get, I don't, I don't know how much we're going to get into that when we talk about Nebraska's defense. But like Buffalo is not a bad team. And Nebraska did pretty well against Buffalo last week. But Adrian Martinez, he was fine against Buffalo, but he wasn't anything special. He was. He was okay, and we're going to belabor this probably multiple times this podcast. For a player who's been around for as long as Adrian Martinez, you would, if you're a Nebraska fan, you would hope that he would be a lot better than he is right now because he'll still make some head-scratching throws, ball placements all over the place. He's just not a consistent player, and uh, just off the top of my head right now, it feels like a good way to end this rant of mine. It kind of has a feeling, though, a lot of ways of – Martinez coming in to Owen Field on Saturday and being one of those games where he does make a bunch of throws where he has been missing this season and we're just like throwing our hands up saying where no this is so stupid I'm feeling that too I'm feeling that too Um,
1: I I alluded to it a little bit he can do that he can make those throws so yeah I I alluded to it uh, during our big season preview pod where I said hey you know I think I think the real trap game is West Virginia But also, I have a real, real keen eye on the Nebraska game, Um, and you know, our our friend Brady Trantham was talking about this on his podcast earlier this week, where even even for him, the doubt has kind of started to creep in, in the same way for me, just because everyone assumes that they're going to beat Nebraska, and I just, and I think one of the reasons for that is just, of course, recent history with Nebraska, and also just how they looked against Illinois too. I mean, it's it's really easy to jump to those conclusions uh but if you kind of dig dig deeper into the numbers and look at, at look at everything uh Illinois was pretty lucky to win that game uh if if you just kind of look at the play by play of it I, it's it wasn't a slam dunk Illinois did not dominate the game it was Illinois yes. had had some breaks go their way and Nebraska didn't otherwise it was a pretty even game um yes. and then they, they they dominated a bad FCS team and then they they did they dominated a a good football team Buffalo is going to go to a bowl game this year um it's so Nebraska's just not anywhere near as bad as I think a lot of the fan base thinks and a lot of college football thinks. And so when I I watch them, I get hardcore just, you know, their their offense is average. I I think their offense is going to be average against good defenses. Uh, Because of Adrian Martinez's athletic ability, uh, their playmaking receiver, who we'll talk about here pretty shortly, those guys can make plays. I don't think they can make plays extremely, like, consistently. But man... And, and we'll get into this because I know we're talking about the offense too, uh, but Nebraska's defense is pretty solid and it has been in all three of their games. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, I, you know, this is going to be a fight. OU is, is going to have to come into this game prepared. I, I, I think Nebraska is absolutely a, like a bowl caliber team. They're not, they're not just going to get run off the field in every single one of their games. So um, one, one thing that did kind of come to mind when you were talking about Adrian, because with Adrian Martinez, I, I trying to think of comps and for whatever reason spencer sanders is the only thing i can think of but i I think i think martinez is better than spencer sanders um and maybe maybe i'm taking this from someone else but i I think i think adrian martinez in terms of quality of player and maybe in also the way that they play with some differences is actually pretty similar to taylor martinez uh, of of nebraska fame in the early part of the decade Um, i think taylor martinez was probably a little more explosive as a runner um, and I think Adrian Martinez is probably a little bit better of a thrower. But in terms of effectiveness, they're kind of the same, I think. Um, I do think Adrian Martinez's surrounding supporting cast is much worse than anything Taylor Martinez had. Um, but no, I, I, I'm glad you kind of pushed back on me with, with him being an explosive runner. I guess I didn't really see that in a lot of the Buffalo game that I, that I saw um but I've also you know he's been playing college football for four years I've, I've, I've seen him make explosive plays so
0: um did you see that play against Buffalo where the middle linebacker blitzed right through the a gap and he was able to avoid the sack and then busted off like a 70 yard run down to the like two yard line
1: yeah I suppose I I guess uh yeah I saw that on Saturday when it happened it wasn't it wasn't in mind when I was watching it today actually um one thing though that, that really does stick out to me, and I'll, I'll, uh, I want to jump into what I heard on, on some of these podcasts, uh, just because it was it was pretty consistent. I, I, I listened to, oh, it was it was called Hail Varsity Radio, which I think is actually like a radio program in Lincoln. Uh, and I just listened to the podcast format. and I listened to their 24/7 site, their podcast, like uh, you know, immediately previewing Oklahoma. And the concerns there are pretty much exactly the same on, on both sides. One, the, the biggest concern in that fan base is their offensive line, like big time. That, that's, that's been the big thing that's bogged them down. And then we, when we get into kind of what we want to see happen and what I think is going to happen in the game, I got some good stats for you that they provided in there. Stats that are going up against this OUD line have to be extremely concerning for, for Nebraska fans. So offensive line, not good. Your offensive line's pretty bad. Um, they can't run the ball up the middle. Actually, they can't really run the ball really at all unless Adrian Martinez is running. Um, and so they're pretty one-dimensional. You can, if you if you focus in on containing Martinez, and maybe if you focus in on, let's say, like bracketing um, uh, Samori Touré, they don't, Nebraska really doesn't have many weapons outside of that. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what Alex Grinch does in this game. We know OU plays a lot, a lot of man. Their corners play a lot of man. Their nickel plays a lot of man. Maybe not the best idea against such a mobile quarterback like Adrian Martinez because you don't want to turn your back. And so they played a lot of zone last week, and maybe that was in preparation for what they're going to see with Adrian Martinez. Um, because I, I really do think linebackers are going to have to be very heady. Uh, they're going to have to make sure that they keep contain on Martinez because, I, you know... Him running around and making plays is pretty much their entire
0: offense. Yeah, good stuff. Um, real quick on Martinez. I, I want to say this before I forget. I watch him, and I think, you know what? This is a guy I think that the Ravens would love to be like Lamar Jackson's backup quarterback. I think if he was in an offensive system like that, where it's all spread around his athleticism and his legs, and then it opens up throws for him... Because Lamar Jackson wasn't a great passer in college. He's he's improved in the pros slightly. I mean, it's it's gotten better. Maybe Adrian Martinez, like, he's a better passer than Lamar Jackson was in college. You're insane. I could... You are insane. That is just no. No. Why am I insane? Adrian Martinez is incredibly athletic and really Adrian good at running.
1: Martinez will I... not play a single snap in the NFL, ever.
0: He's not even going to get saying. drafted. Like, if, Lamar Jackson is an if MVP in he a Heisman did, Trophy if he winner. Did, he... <laughs> if he did, he could... He could be in an offense like the Ravens that have totally around a player like that who can't really throw the ball very well, like at a high NFL level, but takes advantage of really good athleticism and the ability to run. That's what Lamar I see Jackson, from Adrian Martinez.
1: Lamar Jackson is orders of magnitude a better a- athlete than Adrian Martinez. Like Lamar Jackson is one of the best athletes that has
0: ever lived. this is you're, you're being silly I mean, you're, with this take. You're you're no no I'm not. It, I think you're really underrating his uh, Martinez's athleticism. He he jumps off the screen like this. Is I'm the, guy the one
1: that, underrating someone's athleticism here. Like you're this. Adrian Martinez in the same sentence with Lamar Jackson is just not correct. It's it's just it's I, so way
0: off base. Like you're you think I just would have said like Spencer Rattler and Lamar Jackson's athleticism were comparable? I, I just. Like maybe they're comparable
1: in the sense that they both rely on their legs more to create throwing opportunities. But when they do that, Lamar Jackson is just so much more effective. You know how I know that? Because he
0: won the Heisman and he's also an NFL MVP. Sure. But I mean, Lamar Jackson's really good at running around and and getting away from tacklers and running past people. Lamar Lamar Jackson Jackson has has
1: far more arm talent than Adrian Martinez. Lamar Jackson has a freaking hose. He can make every single throw. He's not always super you know, accurate. Uh, he has a strong arm. He can't make every single throw. Adrian Martinez he, does not have a strong arm. He, he, no, just, he, he cannot push it down the field. Lamar
0: Jackson can. He's just not super uh, accurate. I think, I mean, Martinez can push it down the field. He's just not particularly accurate when he does. Uh, I mean, he'd, he could throw the ball 60 yards in the air, Grant, <laughs> like a lot of college quarterbacks can. Uh, he just doesn't have any touch. He, it, it, that's, he struggles with touch. You just, you know, if you
1: listen to this podcast, everyone, you know Lee kind of has a thing against Lamar Jackson. He just, you know, and that's just, that's, and you know, every sports fan kind of has their thing, right? That they're going to go out on a limb on. And Lamar Jackson is, is Lee's thing, I think. I have
0: a lot of things. I, He, yeah, I just, I don't like that style of play I don't like that kind of quarterback I don't think it works when it matters congrats to him he won a playoff game for the first time last year it wasn't really because of him it was because of the Ravens defense he had one great play in that game outside of that he was and he you no know, he had a great play where he made something happen off script he made one great throw I think to Marquise Brown on a third down play early in that game other than that the Ravens defense won in that football game and then they, they didn't do it so you know what if he can continue to improve and they start winning playoff games then I'll give him credit, but I just I don't think that style is conducive to winning at the highest level in, in the NFL. Yeah, but I don't It's think great for con- the regular season.
1: I don't think consistently though. But he's the best athlete in the entire league,
0: and that counts for something. Sure, it does. Great. It just doesn't do him a whole lot for me. I I mean, whatever. I th-
1: I, th- I think he's really fun to watch. I, I don't. You know, that's just me though. I guess.
0: All right. I got a prop for you what do you think is ou's biggest advantage on defense when nebraska has the football
1: uh it's their it's their d line versus their offensive line um i here like listen to these numbers and these are when the nebraska fans on the podcast brought this up they brought it up in the sense like Ugh, this is a huge problem listen to this martinez he was hit or pressured On more than half of his dropbacks against Illinois, and he was hit or pressured on 14 of his 24 dropbacks against Buffalo. That that's those 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 numbers are not good, especially going up against an OU defensive line, a front four who we we all think are all NFL players. Maybe some of them first round picks. OU is going to be able to get pressure in this game, bringing four and probably bringing three at times too. In fact. If the trends for Nebraska are are at all realistic in these last three games, OU is going to get a ton of pressure in this game. Martinez is going to be running around a lot. Maybe that's bad. Maybe that's good. I think it's probably good if he's if 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 the offensive line is just breaking down every single play and it like it might it might. I they did not look good in in against Buffalo either. I, I thought I thought Martinez was under pressure really consistently in that game.
0: Okay, so. Those are interesting numbers and they make sense. I didn't get that same feeling from Buffalo as I did Illinois, to be honest with you. So, those numbers about Buffalo are kind of surprising. Here's the question, though, and here's why I don't think those numbers are as bad as maybe Nebraska fans think is because against those opponents, I think it was pretty clear Scott Frost was dialing up plays where he was asking his offensive line to protect for three, four, and, and God help us, even five seconds. Is he going to do that against Oklahoma, knowing that Oklahoma's defensive line is really good, and the two teams that we've seen play Oklahoma so far this year consistently just call plays to get the ball out really fast?
1: Well, that sounds great to me. Get the ball out of Martinez's hands fast. That sounds awesome to me. Then you're sure. you're, you're kind of knee- if if he does that, you're sort of kneecapping him. Like I, I I would guess that Frost is more likely to call stuff that's going to get him out of the pocket. Um, I yeah, I mean if I I feel like if you're if OU's advantage on the defensive line against their offensive line, if that prompts Scott Frost to just do these little just one step and out throws just like near the line of scrimmage, I think that's exactly where OU wants, wants them. I think they'd be playing right into OU, what, what OU wants to do because I think what Alex Grinch doesn't want the most is Adrian Martinez running out of the pocket with lots of space. And if he's just catching the ball and getting rid of it really quickly, Nebraska is not going to score a lot in this game. Uh, so no, like, I, I don't think Scott Frost is going to do that. I, I, I think they're really going to try to put this totally on Martinez's shoulders, and that means they're going to have to get him out of the pocket.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's fair. That's a fair point. Because yeah, I, you, know, I, I don't know though. I mean, Tulane was able to have a lot of off- offensive success with that kind of strategy. I mean, dinking and Duncan and running crossing routes against Ban, and this, you know, I
1: Tulane's offense is quite a bit better than Nebraska's. Uh, you know, I Pratt, Pratt is better than Adrian Martinez, and I it's I don't think that we should be using the Tulane thing. Tulane's offense is good; it's 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 really good. Um, I guess I just I didn't see anyone on Nebraska who really scares me outside of the Ture guy. And I,
0: yes, Tulane's offense is good, but we're gonna find out more about Tulane this Saturday. I mean, yes, it seems like they have a lot more weapons than Nebraska does. And Nebraska's already played three games. So they've had opportunities to, to showcase other people. And you're right. They, outside of that Ture guy, they don't really seem to have anybody. Like for, for five minutes against uh, Fordham, they had a gigantic tight end that was getting catches. But other than that... He's that got seven really catches been, this year. I sort of noted that. Yeah, like Chase Allen or something, I think is his name. But, I mean, he didn't show up at all against Illinois, and he didn't show up against Buffalo. So, yeah, it's it's a decent point. I mean, Tulane clearly has a lot more weapons at their disposal, it it would seem. Uh, We'll see how good those guys are against Ole Miss. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, we have seen, again, Nebraska's played three games, and they've had opportunities to showcase other people, and it's really just been Ture. That's kind of been it, and Adrian Martinez, obviously. And for parts of the Fordham game, the running back, Marquis Stepp, who is just – He's a kind of like a bowling ball. He's just kind of a guy. I mean, he's like a USC transfer. Nothing. He's a thicker dude, uh, but nothing really to be super worried about. Yeah, sort of the yeah. the consensus on both those pods that I listened to is that they
1: just yo, they've uh, they've just been trying to find the hot hand at running back. You know, they have they have three running backs who all have kind of similar number of carries. None of them are averaging over five yards a carry. They've all kind of struggled to get going, um, and. It was it was more on the Hale varsity one that I listened to where they were just like, Yeah, I mean they just the the jury is still out on all three of those guys. None of them have really shown any sort of capability of taking that job and running with it. And so I I do you know they, they played some clips from Nebraska's coaching staff saying that they're they're just gonna go with the hot hand. Whoever is playing the best at the time, they're gonna go with it. And so, gosh, man, I hope that means that they're not gonna have their breakout game against OU. But
0: uh I don't know. Yeah. But as far as Oklahoma's biggest advantage against Nebraska's offense, I agree. It's definitely in the trenches because Oklahoma's defensive line is going to be better than pretty much every single offensive line the Sooners face this season. And this game is going to be no different. And sure, if Nebraska's calling plays designed for Adrian Martinez to sit back there and survey the field and go through his progressions, great. Go for it. Because we haven't seen that a whole lot the last two games for Oklahoma because they try to get the ball out of the hands. Tulane did and western carolina did and i'd love to see there with you know oklahoma's defensive line with a little bit more time to tee off on potential quarterbacks and sure yeah they're going to try to get him out of the pocket that's why it's going to be super super important for oklahoma's edge defenders to stay home and contain and not let him get outside and let just the big hog mallways in the middle perry on winfrey jalen redmond josh Allen. let let those guys handle AJ martinez and and then hopefully the linebackers I think we're gonna see
1: a lot of I think we're gonna see a lot of the the Nick Benito spy thing that we saw quite a bit last year. Um, like let's let's be totally real with it. The way the way that OU plays defense, they struggle to keep contain a lot. Just with how with how much they're they're stunting and slanting and ag- how aggressive they are. Um, and so it makes me wonder if they're gonna maybe switch up their strategy for this game. My instincts say probably not. Um, and so they they're gonna have to have some sort of plan for contain on there because that I mean that's something they've struggled with ever since Alex Grinch has been here like outside zone all that stuff they they very they struggle to keep contain you've seen Kansas State score on the you know those little outside quarterback runs consistently uh, Tulane scored on it on you know two weeks ago as well so I think I think that's definitely the thing to watch to watch for there. How is OU's defensive line? How is their front seven containing Martinez? Is there a specific plan to do that outside of just using Nick Benito as a spy? Um, and I'm not sure. I really don't know. Alex Grinch does kind of seem like one of those guys who is just like, I'm running my system regardless of who we're playing. And so, I hope they tweak it a little bit for this game. But I don't know if we. I don't know if there's evidence to suggest that
0: they will. And that's a great segue into the next part where we're going to talk about Nebraska's offense and its biggest advantage against Oklahoma's defense. And I've already talked a lot about Adrian Martinez. I clearly like him a lot more than Grant does. He's a wild card. His athleticism, like I said, I think it's off the charts. I think he's super athletic. I think he's fast. I think his ability to run is really good. If he's able to get away from defenders, he can make plays with his legs. And we've seen Brock Purdy kind of make plays with his legs against Oklahoma and give him problems. But weirdly, Purdy and Martinez also put the ball in peril from time to time. Uh, but I think Martinez, like, like I said earlier, uh, no, I, I think Martinez is a much better athlete than Brock Purdy. But the, the segue to what you were just talking about as far as Alex Grinch and the way he plays his defense, I think aside from Martinez and his off-script plays and his ability to, to do things outside the plan, I think Samori Ture is the Huskers' biggest advantage in the sense that Scott Frost clearly realized that he is – the Huskers' best offensive weapon. He moves all around the field. They'll put him in the backfield sometimes. He'll use motion. He'll take option pitches from Adrian Martinez. Frost is super creative in in trying to get this guy the football, and I think he'll watch Alex Grinch's Oklahoma defense, and he'll see that the Sooners, a lot of the times, are in man coverage, or they're in somewhat predictable two-deep zone coverages, and he'll scheme up ways to get Toure the football quite a bit. And will Oklahoma be able to key on him and adjust to all of this in the game? And that's the question I don't know, because like you said a moment ago, Alex Grinch does seem to be like some, one of those guys that just, hey, this is what we do. It's simple. We want to make sure that our guys aren't thinking too much. We're going to out-talent you on defense. We're going to go run our stuff uh, and, and beat us. And a lot of the times that has worked, but we also have seen him get out-schemed and out-coached specifically by Kansas State a couple of years ago and in, in year 1 it, it gets an offense that had no business scoring that many points against Oklahoma and all the talent they had on that side of the ball. So I think the the Nebraska's biggest advantage on offense is the creativity with which they they try to get the football to Toure. What do you think?
1: No, I was just going to I mean it's Martinez's mo- mobility. That's, you know, that's that's going to make or break them. And so yeah, I mean I'm like I said with the with the uh, talking about can the front four contain? Yeah, I'm I I am worried about Martinez. Making plays with his feet, just because i've I've seen it way too many times against o u, and you know I just i if if it just starts to magically change for this game, that's awesome. Maybe that's a sign that o u is becoming the team that we want them to be. Uh, but you know I, I you bring up a good point with Ture. you know, I think I, I really hope o u is is circling him and is saying, we just can't let this guy beat us because i I feel like if you if you take him away and you force. Martinez to find any of the other receivers they have, they're going to struggle because because they haven't they haven't shown the ability to step up yet in that regard. So um, keep Martinez in the pocket. If he's outside of the pocket, that's when he can start making plays, and that you know that's when Ture when Martinez is out of the pocket, he can start to to scramble and get open, and uh, that's just going to make that's going to make life much more difficult on OU. Lee, one thing I did so I, I did go back and and rewatch some of the the Western Carolina game. DTY was playing some nickel in that game. Um, I think DTY at nickel in a game like this is maybe an interesting idea. Just because I, I I probably would trust him more so than any of the D-backs to keep contain on the edge as a nickelback than anyone else. Um, going forward, I'm not super comfortable with DTY. I, he can't play man coverage, and that's what they... I, I, that's what we asked the nickel back to do a lot in this, in this offense. And I don't think he can do that consistently enough, but I don't know what, like, what do you think? Like, so DTY, he did play nickel against Western Carolina. I don't know why they would do that other than to experiment with it, with the, with the intent of doing it later in the year. So I don't know. but What what do you think about that? Cause I mean, you didn't, you, you didn't really note it. You, I guess you didn't get to watch it on TV to see it. Um,
0: but I think it's kind okay, of an well, interesting. Th- it's it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, when we're talking about nickel, and if Delarian Turner Yell was playing some of it, it to me it it's, it was more probably out of necessity in that game because Billy Bowman left the game super early and wasn't available, so it was basically just Jeremiah Cradell, and then it would have been Delarian Turner Yell. Well, I mean, I didn't Billy even Bowman, know that DTY was working at Nickel. He his name never came up in that. I no I I mean I, I'll take your word for it that he was playing it I. I, and that kind of leads me to be concerned about Billy Bowman's status on Saturday. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to play. I don't know if Danny Stutzman's going to be able to play. And it sounds like Woody Washington is probably not going to play either. He's doubtful, according to Lincoln Riley. Oh, and I didn't I know that. Know where, I don't know where that came from. I don't recall. Like, you know, it, it was Western Carolina. So I, I didn't rewatch the game. I don't remember how much Woody Washington played, if it happened during that game. But Woody Washington's doubtful for the game. And so. In theory, Washington could be out, and so could Billy Bowman. So Oklahoma could be down two starters in the secondary in that game. And, I mean, Bowman won that job. And if if they're not super confident in Jeremiah Cradell, to which they're putting a, a veteran, DeLarian Turner-Yell, at, at nickel, that kind of makes you you pause a little bit. And then, you know, at corner, Oklahoma's got depth at corner. You know, if, if Woody Washington can't play, DJ Graham's there. Jaden Davis is there. Latrell McCutcheon is there. Those are the I'm main not three. I'm
1: not super worried about Washington not being there just because I I have quite a bit of confidence in Latrell McCutcheon at this point in time. Um, he's going to make some freshman mistakes, of course, but you can see the ability. He's going to make plays, too, out there, I think. So maybe, yeah, with, with Washington not playing, maybe that's a good thing. We'll see a little bit more of Latrell McCutcheon. We know Jaden Davis is just Mr. Reliability, Mr. Consistency. Um, and DJ Graham, you know, it's everyone knows my thoughts on dj graham so i i guess i'm thinking you know if, if dty were to were to play nickel i would assume right that it would be key lawrence uh playing safety because i think he's i think he's the direct backup to dty at that
0: position um yeah so, so that would be interesting well and i recall just again from live in-game action i i, I think delarian turner yell and key lawrence they've been out there as the split safeties a few times, at least against Western Carolina, which is something that I wanted to see. And I, uh, you know, I and I think that was whenever Bowman might have still been playing, uh, or maybe Cordell was out there again. I oh. I didn't go back and rewatch the game. So oh, Bowman
1: I, Bowman played like one play against Western Carolina. He got hurt on the first oh. play.
0: Oh okay. So and. It was kind of interesting to me because Lincoln Riley is always so coy about injuries and injury status, but he came out and straight up said that Billy Bowman is doubtful. So does that mean that... Washington or he's Bowman? Defi- I'm sorry, uh, Washington, thank you. Woody Washington is doubtful. He didn't mention Bowman at all. Uh, so what does that mean? Is that, does that mean that Washington is 100% out, or is that Riley... <laughs> Making it sound like he's going to be out, but really he's not that badly hurt. He's going to play, and he's just doing some mental gymnastics with Nebraska. I, man, Dude, I, I have I don't no know. idea, no idea. So just, I guess we'll just find as always,
1: out. we'll we'll know at 11 a.m. on Saturday.
0: So yeah, aside from DTY playing, you know, Nicole, I don't really have any thoughts on that because I I didn't know that, and I again I didn't go back and rewatch the Western Carolina game, so. If that comes to fruition against Nebraska, then we'll be able to talk more about it, obviously. And, you know, biggest concern when Nebraska has the football, we've covered it. It's Martinez and his legs and, you know, those off script plays and just the ability to him against Oklahoma to make all of these throws, which he has missed a lot in his career. I mean, he was scattershot against Illinois. I mean, he was missing a lot of layup type throws. He was much better against Fordham, much better against Buffalo, but uh, you know, the biggest concern is him turning it all on, focusing super in-depth on Oklahoma, and making those throws and making Oklahoma's defensive backs pay. Uh, anything else on this matchup, Nebraska with the football? I, I did want to talk, uh, touch on the injuries for Oklahoma's defense, and we just did there. Uh, anything else that stands out to you about Nebraska's offense against Oklahoma's defense? No, I don't think so. I just hope, uh, hope
1: one of those anonymous running backs doesn't just – all of a sudden explode onto the scene, that would be very OU if it happened.
0: Yeah, I agree. Illinois' defense, by the way, held Nebraska to just five and a half yards per play. For the season, Nebraska's at something like 6.8. So they were able to up that quite a bit against Fordham and Buffalo. And Illinois, in the last two games since Nebraska, they've struggled. And this is a generic take. I get it. But if Oklahoma's defense is any good, the Sooners should be able to hold Nebraska in check for for large portions of this game so let's flip the script over to Oklahoma's offense against Nebraska's defense Grant what do you think is Oklahoma's offense Oklahoma's offense's biggest advantage over Nebraska's defense Nebraska I mean their defense is the strength of their team
1: and it's it's solid, if not unspectacular. They're they're not going to overwhelm you with ability or overwhelm you with athleticism or skill in the trenches or anything like that. They are solid and they are very experienced veterans all over the defense, everywhere. um And so, I don't know. Like that 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 kind of worries me against a guy like uh, against a guy like Spencer Rattler, who at times is you know makes bad decisions. Um, and especially against a veteran defense, uh, it gives me a little bit of pause. One thing, though, that makes me sleep a little easier is that Nebraska's defensive line has not really been able to generate a lot of pressure on the quarterback this season by themselves. Their defensive linemen only have half a sack this year. Uh, that, that's it. So, uh, And that's against not, you know, you would assume not great competition as well. Um, so that... Gives me a little bit of confidence that maybe OU is able to kind of sit back in the pocket, wait for those routes to develop, and uh, hit on those explosive plays. But that's not really something that we've seen from OU in the first two games. Um, we've seen we've seen some shots down the field, but a lot of them have kind of been predetermined and not particularly accurate. So uh, yeah, I mean, I I think this Nebraska defense is probably going to come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, and I kind of expect them to to play well and make some plays, and and definitely get Oklahoma off the
0: field, at least in the first half, pretty consistently. What do you think? Well, I think Oklahoma's biggest advantage against Nebraska's defense kind of goes along with what you said about Nebraska's defense. It's OU's talent over Nebraska. It, it's just – it's think I think you said maybe an unspectacular defense. You know, Oklahoma just has so many weapons and so many ways to make Nebraska's defense uncomfortable. So I think that is Oklahoma's biggest advantage over Nebraska's defense. And I suppose we can probably say that a lot of the times – when Oklahoma's offense trots out on the field against a lot of these defenses they're going to see this this year Uh, but from my perspective here is the key to Oklahoma's offense in this game and it's not a secret it's football 101 this is how Illinois basically beat Nebraska and it goes to a little bit what you were saying Illinois won in the trenches for large portions of that game and Oklahoma must win in the trenches against this Nebraska defensive line. Illinois' offensive line had tons of veterans, tons of starts, and they bullied Nebraska for large stretches of that game. And it was just simply Illinois lining up. It's Brett Beloma. I mean, what do you expect? You know, Hard nose type offense. And they just got in the eye formation a lot of the time, sometimes out of the shotgun, out of the pistol. And they'd Go for five yards, for seven yards, for 11 yards, four yards. Just they'd constantly be in second down and manageable, third down and manageable. And that was Illinois. Now, just imagine what Oklahoma's offense can do. By the way, Illinois had a backup quarterback for three of those quarters. They, their backup quarterback was in for most of that game. Now, imagine Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler in that offense. If the offensive line gets nasty, pushes Nebraska around in the trenches, it's going to open up so many more opportunities for explosive pass plays that, we, like you said, we really haven't seen a whole lot so far in the first two games from Oklahoma, and if that secondary from Nebraska is constantly trying to come up and assist with run support because Oklahoma is picking up five, six, seven yards a pop early down, uh, early in downs, that that's going to be a, a huge problem for Nebraska, and that's the key to winning this football game, simply, or at least Oklahoma consistently moving the football and having no problem against nebraska's defense
1: yeah i mean i think you you touch on a point whereas i mean if, if ou is gonna it runs the ball well in the game they just don't ever lose really for the most part um and that's because you know they can work off the play action and that's where the explosive pass plays come from lee actually one of my biggest concerns is that is the run game being bogged down against against their veteran front seven um not because i think that Nebraska out talents them or is is better than OU up front in that regard. I just think that they're going to come in likely prepared and have a good understanding of what OU is trying to do in the run game. And we've, we've seen this with every team that OU plays since Lincoln Riley has been there. Everyone keys on the run game because they know that that's the key. If OU is running the ball, they're going to start breaking off a bunch of chunk plays on you because with play action, everything like that. So I think this is obviously going to be Nebraska's game plan is to bog down the run game. Um, and if OU comes out and if they're able to run the ball and get chunk plays, I'm going to start to feel really good about this team. Really good about this team. Uh, just because, and it, it's this is not to say that Nebraska's defense is all world or the best defense they're going to see this year, but it, it, it's a competent defense with lots of experience, which means if they do have a game plan, they're going to come in focused on executing that. Um, and, OU sometimes can get kind of behind the chains that way. I mean, we saw that against Tulane. They couldn't run the ball against Tulane. And that that put them in some pretty tough spots. And I Nebraska's defense is better than Tulane's defense. And so Tulane put it on tape on how to stop this run game. And so we'll see if one, if OU has just gotten better, and if they've just repped it so many times that they're starting to, you know, to get their feel in the run game, that's entirely possible. But I think it's probably a little more realistic that there's going to be kind of some back and forth in this game where OU is sort of stuffed at the line of scrimmage and they have to come up with other ways to move the ball early on until their kind of talent, athleticism advantage, size advantage sort of wears them out, Nebraska out at the end. I don't know. This is, I I, I think, this Nebraska defense, I think, is going to present a little more more problems for OU than I think a lot of people anticipate.
0: Yeah, so I think Nebraska's biggest advantage when... It's defenses on the field. And this is also my biggest concern for when Oklahoma has the football is even though Nebraska's defense, like you said, there's not there's not a whole lot of guys you point to is like, man, that's an elite type talent player where they're going to scare you. But I, as a whole, I think it's an aggressive defense. If they're constantly trying to create havoc. And if they make Spencer Rattler uncomfortable, like Tulane did early in that game, then the Huskers are going to have a chance in this one. It, it's as simple as that. They, I mean, they'll. They'll send corner blitzes. They'll blitz their Mike linebackers randomly through the A-gap just to seemingly make the quarterback feel uncomfortable. On third down, I saw a lot of man throughout their games. Uh, they'll send a rusher off the edge from you know, time to time, actually a, a decent amount of time. Like I said, they try to create havoc. They try to create chaos. And Rattler will have to know that going into the game. You know, Read the defense, anticipate the pressure, and make sharp decisive throws because nebraska is going to try to get into his head a little bit and even though you mentioned that they haven't been able to get a whole lot of pressure on quarterbacks only four sacks so far in three games which is not great they have created havoc and they've gotten teams down behind the line of scrimmage quite a bit they have 20 tfls i granted they played an extra game than most teams but that's still 6.6 per game which is not awesome but it's not bad i mean they're getting after the you know after teams and they're getting people to the ground so this is an aggressive defense that if early on in the game, like Tulane did, like I said a moment ago, they make Spencer Rattler kind of question things and and feel uncomfortable and Rattler's not fully prepared, that's going to play right into the hands of Nebraska.
1: Exactly. Their experience, I think they're going to come in with a plan and they're probably going to be able to execute it. If OU is able to rise above that and still put a bunch of points on the board, like I said, I'm going to start feeling really good about OU. Um, This is a game, Lee, that I think just admittedly haven't watched a ton in nebraska i've watched their defense more than their offense this is a game i really think if they make an effort to get eric gray the ball in the passing game i think he could eat and especially with those aggressive linebackers and um we saw last week we saw all of those wheel routes that were run pretty consistently in that game even even with rattler even with caleb williams in there i'm hoping that's sort of a sign of things to come um because I do like I, I, I do think that you you can it hasn't been put on tape right nobody knows kind of what the Eric Gray and OU's passing game looks like and I'm wondering if this is the game where they where, where they do sort of go all in on that or if they kind of try to save that for later I'm I'm not sure but um, any sort of new looks that they can give Nebraska's defense is going to be valuable just like I said because of how experienced they are they're going to know what OU wants to do.
0: Anything else on the matchup between Nebraska's defense and Oklahoma's offense? Because I think I am spent. I'm spent. I, uh,
1: you know, I just, I, I hope they play well. I think, uh, I I do think the most interesting matchup is OU's offense against their defense. Um, and I, I know you said it was the other way around. Um, I'm really interested to see how, how OU attacks these guys. And uh, man, hey, OU, there is precedent, right, since Lincoln Riley has been there for them just to to roll through some of these non conference games and just put up a ton of points, ton of yards. Uh, I just, I hope that this is the case in this game. But I, you know, realistically, it's probably
0: going to be more in the middle. All right. We're to the end of it here in our OU Nebraska preview. Time for us to tell you what we want to see happen in this game. Football coin. Who's going first? Uh, heads. I'll go oh, first. It's heads. I'm going first. Oh, oh you're, I'll, I'll just go. go first. Whatever. All right. Um, Okay, I want to see
1: OU play a clean game. That's what I want to see the most out of all of this. Clean, focused game. That means no turnovers, no coverage busts. I'd really like to see them get out of the game healthy after last week. Um, I think if they do all of that, they you know they can and probably should win comfortably. Uh, I just I don't think Nebraska's offense is that explosive um, outside of like you say. I mean you're. I'll take your word for it on Martinez about you know him getting outside of the pocket, and maybe making plays that way. Outside of that, though, they're not explosive. Um, I think if OU can sort of focus in on that, especially on defense, they they should be okay. Um, but that's also not that's not a given whatsoever. And so outside of that, uh, because Nebraska's defensive line has really struggled to get after the quarterback, I'd really like to see uh, Spencer Rattler stay clean in this game. Uh, the other thing I would really like to see either Jaden Hazelwood or Marvin Mims have a big game. Uh, we already know that Marvin Mims is a huge weapon who can go off against anybody. I would love to see that that be the case with Jaden Hazelwood as well. Uh, and then other than that, like I already mentioned, I would really like to see Eric Gray get more touches his, uh, his, his start and stop ability, I think is actually pretty unique and is not something that you see a lot from a lot of guys. Um, and I just, I would love to see that guy get the ball
0: more in space. What about you, Lee? First off, I you say you don't think Nebraska's offense is all that explosive. I would describe it – I would slightly disagree with that. I, I think Nebraska's offense can be explosive. I, I, I would describe it more as inconsistent. And I know they played an extra game, so that factors in quite a bit. But when it comes to explosive plays so far this season, they're near the top of college football, which is that just because they played one extra game? Maybe. I mean, they have 19 plays of 20 or more yards so far this year. And they have 11 plays of 30 or more yards this year. Again, it's probably because they played an extra game. I, I, I get that. But it's not like they are, you know, they are just not hitting those, those massive plays. But it's not consistent at all. I mean, they've hit them in, in kind of spots where uh, kind of late in the game against Buffalo, late in the game against Fordham. So it's uh, when they were trailing massively against Illinois, Taylor Martinez had that. 70 yard touchdown run where he scrambled and he got so it's not like they're consistent explosive plays but I, I do think they they are an explosive offense or they can be it's just the lack of consistency there but as far as what I want to see happen it's simple as a team as a whole I want to see Oklahoma once again keep its word when the Sooners are telling us they're saying that they're focused on playing a full four quarters with full intensity and if Oklahoma does that and the Sooners have truly prepared properly with film study of this Nebraska team, then the Sooners shouldn't have any problem winning this football game. I asked Jeremiah Hall on Wednesday about their practice, their practice weeks, because the line has been since really last week and now going into Nebraska. Lincoln Riley said it. I believe Reggie Grimes said it. Eric Gray said it. It's just, hey, every single week we practice the same full intensity doesn't matter who we're playing Uh, Lincoln Riley mentioned earlier this week that he's telling his guys to just see every opponent as a faceless opponent doesn't matter who we're playing just go out there and practice the same exact way each week which is great and it sounds like that's what happened last week before the Western Carolina game that's what we saw the results of a full complete game domination against a bad FCS team but my thought was okay Yes, I get it. You're right. You guys practice the same way. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Same intensity, same focus, all throughout the practice week. What happened before week one? You had eight months before that game, and going into week one, it sounded like, and and Lincoln Riley told us that, this was after the fact, that there were signs during the week leading up to Tulane that there could be some of what we saw against Tulane, lack of focus, and them just taking the entire second half off. So essentially I asked Jeremiah Hall how, you know, it sounded like week one, like Coach said, it wasn't quite the same. It wasn't the full focus, and you guys didn't play as well. And last week was great. So how do you make sure that what happened in week one or going into that doesn't happen again? And, and he had a pretty good answer for me. He said something along the lines of like, you know, week one's always just starting point. And he said, you're right. Yeah. After week one, we learned that we weren't anywhere near where we thought we were. You know, we, we weren't as good as we thought we were. And we showed, we showed you guys a pretty big jump from week one to week two. And now our challenge as a team that's supposed to be or wants to be a championship team is to show that growth from week two to week three. And we think that we're ready to show that against Nebraska. And that's, you know, that's one of your senior leaders, your captains, that has you know, he's good with that stuff. And that was a satisfactory answer to me. So I liked hearing that and hearing him say that acknowledging that week one was the way it was and hey yeah we noticed that so it's up to us to continue now moving forward like we weren't as good as we thought we were now we got the show improvement from week two to week three i appreciated that and so that's why i want to see as far as the whole team goes
1: Yeah, that's a good answer you got something on that that's a good answer from jeremiah hall um i think that shows a lot of self-awareness there week one is done it happened it's over all i mean you can't change anything that happened there all you can control is how you move on and where you go from there. We already saw a really nice step against Western Carolina. I hope they continue it this week. And I I do. I I think that urgency is going to be there this week. Um, You hope they can continue. They can keep that urgency if they get punched in the mouth a little bit, or if Nebraska has an explosive play or makes a really big play on defense early in the game. I think that's the next challenge. Can they keep up that level of energy, that level of focus if the other team makes plays? Because the other team practices too. They're going to make plays. It all—it always happens. I even Western Carolina made a play or two last week too, as they practice. So, uh, really, really good hearing that from Jeremiah Hall. I, uh, I, I honestly, I, I really think that the, the team is going to be fired up to play this game. There, I mean, they're, they're It's funny now because me and Yuli, we still, I, I still look at Nebraska kind of as a Big Twelve team, just because that's, you know, I. When I, grew, when I was growing up, they were always in the big 12. And I, I think it's kind of funny now that there's an entire new generation of OU fans, uh, students who are at the school right now who are in their late teens early 20s who, who know nothing of Nebraska other than five and seven Nebraska, or you know or nine and three Bopolilini, Nebraska, or nine and four Bopalini Nebraska. Um, and so Nebraska is a big 10 team now. and I think that just, and it's a big ten team coming to Norman, the team is going to be fired up for that. I think they're going to be—they're really going to be raring to go. And also, you saw them last week really feed off the energy of the crowd. Um, and I know it's an 11 a.m. kickoff, but the crowd is going to be rowdy on Saturday. It's just—it's the Nebraska game. It's just going to be. And I—I I think the—I think the team's going to feed off of that.
0: And let's be honest, this Oklahoma fan base—it's used to these 11 a.m. kicks. So is the team. Actually, the team doesn't mind it. The team kind of likes it. Especially now, going into this season, they've been practicing in the mornings all the time. That's kind of like their schedule. So, you know, maybe that was maybe Lincoln Riley kind of. I would got also like, love. I would also <laughs> love eleven a.m.
1: because you don't you don't have all day to think about it. You're up and you exactly. go exactly.
0: Yeah, and you know, maybe that was Lincoln Riley's thinking going into the season. Like, listen, we play so many eleven a.m. kicks. Let's switch this up. Let's start practicing in the morning time. So, whenever we play these eleven a.m. games, the guys are used to it. And, uh, you know, it, it makes it to where like some of the night games, maybe they're going to be <laughs> maybe not as used to that, but it's night games. It's, it's fine. So, I, yeah, I'm not concerned about the crowd and, and just the way the team is going to be as far as you know potentially sluggish early in the morning. That's not going to be a thing. I, I say I, I will say I do have some more specific things that I want to see in this game from the offense and the defense. And on the offensive side of the ball, I'm looking at the offensive line. I want to see them get nasty. I want to see them get a hat on a hat push guys off the ball i am afraid that the gt counter is not going to work all that well against nebraska's aggressive edge rushers i think when they see that tackle pull and the, that guard pull i think those guys on the backside they're going to attack they're going to blow it up from the backside without you know the threat of rattler pulling it and running it so because of that I think Oklahoma's front five, their offensive line, is going to need to be strong and physical. And Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray, they're going to need to get downhill and run with decisiveness. And I want to see the running game have a lot of success because Nebraska has been pretty average to below average against the run so far this year. That's they're they're okay at they're okay at stopping the run, but Illinois was able to run on them. Fordham for portions of that game were able to run on them, and, and Buffalo at times as well too. So. That again, that that's the key to Oklahoma's offense moving the ball and, and it always is, but specifically in this game. I'd really like to see
1: sort of some, some awareness by Riley in that sense of because he knows how teams attack that GT counter now. Um, and just because right cause Rattler doesn't have the same running ability of a of a Baker or a Kyler or a Jalen, it's a lot easier for those edge defenders just to crash right on the running back. I would really like to see some some pulls with that and then some play action passes pull get him out of the pocket receiver replaces the vacated area where the linebackers are aggressively attacking that GT counter um i got to think that that's that's got to be in the back of his mind if you do that at the beginning of the game that's going to put doubt in the back of nebraska's mind so maybe the next time they aren't going to aggressively attack that GT counter again so i hope we see i i hope they put a little bit more constraints on that to make it to to make the defenders have to think a little bit more with that because you know, Rattler's lack of of his ability to run or be a dynamic
0: runner really does hinder that play quite a bit. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And we know it's in the playbook. They run it all the time with with Baker, with Kyler, with Jalen Hurts. So that's in there. Uh, defensively, I'll just I'll be quick. Don't let Adrian Martinez run wild. We've covered this. You know, Illinois used a guy to spy him a decent amount of time. Sometimes they didn't, you know, Oklahoma's gonna do it, but sometimes they won't. You know, what's what's gonna happen when things go off script? contain on the edges as best as possible. And as far as the running game, Nebraska hasn't been able to run the football with its running backs at all for the most part this season. And so let's not let those guys get going against Oklahoma. Let's keep it that way. Let's make it to where if Nebraska's going to run the ball, it's going to be Adrian Martinez and not those running backs. I'm glad you you brought that up. That just brings
1: one more point I want to make. On defense, I don't want to see a lot of blitzes in this game. I, I would really prefer that they, if they are going to blitz, they blitz from the edge or blitz from the nickel spot or something like that. Um, I just, they don't need to. They, don't, they, they, they can get pressured just fine with three or four. Um, and I, they need as many bodies back there, I feel like, in zone coverage as they can. So we'll see. I thought there were times in the two-lane game where OU just blitzed themselves out of the play. And um,
0: I, I would really, really like to not see that this time. Sure. All right. Finally, you know, usually we say, what will happen or what's your prediction? For this one, you know, I, I kind of like the idea, and we used this a little bit last season to ask the question, and I feel a lot more comfortable with this because I, I have watched a lot of Nebraska leading into this game. You know, what does the film tell you is going to happen in this game? And you can take, you know, you don't have to necessarily answer that question, Grant. You can take it a different way if you want. But I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll tell you what the film is telling me is going to happen in this game. And it's telling me that Nebraska's offense is going to find ways to move the ball and and have success against Oklahoma you're going to see crossing routes you'll see some rub routes against man coverage uh I I saw even though Nebraska has been penalized for offensive pass interference a a couple of times this year which uh, negated some massive plays some touchdowns which is like oh come on guys like don't I quick sidebar here Grant how annoying is it whenever you see it's obviously a schemed up rub route but the receiver that's tasked with being the one that does the rub is so bad at like playing off that he's running a route like where the receiver kind of starts running and then like just runs into a db and like pushes him like they're blocking him as opposed to you know running like a, a quick little comeback route like turning and like hey pass me the ball but like obviously you're still blocking the d back to to show that hey like no i'm not rubbing this guy out like i'm i'm going for a pass here that is one of the most frustrating things when i see yeah yeah i, I heard phrasingly it I'm, phrasing. I'm one of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's one of the most frustrating things uh, as somebody watching the game is, is these, these college football players and sometimes NFL guys that don't have the awareness to make sure that you're pretending to run a pass route so it's not obvious that you're trying to set a pick. Isn't that – Did you get bothered by that the same way I do? Uh,
1: yeah, actually, but you bringing that up reminds me of something that I saw on Sunday when I was watching NFL Red Zone, which I'm so, I'm so happy is back. Uh, it was actually uh, Jalen Hurts's his first touchdown pass to Devontae Smith uh, was a rubber route, And it was actually it. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. I think it was Goddard, who was the one who was uh, who, who was kind of interference there. And he didn't really he didn't really look like he was running a route there. But he did a great job of screening off the safety so that so that Smith could get around him. Um, and that just that that just made me think that I, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, i was like they must rep that a ton that was pretty and like really smooth and i mean i got nothing else to add to that but uh yeah go back and watch jalen hurts first td pass last sunday and that's that was a, that was a pretty play
0: nothing else to add about guys rubbing other guys out nothing nothing there <laughs> nothing yeah, let's, cool let's move on please <laughs> uh so yeah that back to what the film was telling me <laughs> um So they're going to scheme up runs, I think, for Adrian Martinez, get him in space, get him outside the pocket. You mentioned that a little bit. I think the more Oklahoma's defense, you know, the more that Alex Grinch's defense has been on film. This is year three. And the more opposing coaches see it, I think the more people like Scott Frost will find holes and ways to exploit the Sooners' aggressiveness on defense. And I expect that to happen on Saturday because Alex Grinch tends to run what he wants to run. But I also expect for Oklahoma to overwhelm Nebraska's offense at times, and and the Sooners should, for the most part of this game, uh, overwhelm Nebraska because that offense has been inconsistent. That's the word I like to use to describe the Huskers. Uh, now I mentioned that they are they can be explosive. It's a lot of running plays, very few explosive pass plays, and Oklahoma's secondary is not bad. I know they they could be down a couple of guys. Uh, but there's going to be a major issue if you see Adrian Martinez hitting the Sooners over the top and down the field over and over again. we got some problems, if that's the case, because they have not been able to really do that consistently this year. Some of these explosive plays have been from Martinez running the football and getting outside the pocket and running, or Ture on the edge on like option pitches. So I think Oklahoma's going to win the football game, and it's, it's simply because the Sooners should win this game. They're a much better team than Nebraska. But if you think that I'm gonna lay the 22 points, you are mistaken because I wasn't born yesterday. I haven't forgot about that two lane game. Under Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma is five and seven against the spread when the Sooners are favored by 20 to 29 points. Again, in the Lincoln Riley era, five and seven ATS when the Sooners are favored by 20 to 29. OU is up favored by 22 in this one. So history is telling me take the dog to cover, but I do think Oklahoma. Should win this football game. That's what the film was telling me. Good breakdown, Lee. Um, do this pretty
1: quickly. Got to kind of take off here pretty quick. But uh, so I, yeah, I I think OU wins, but I, it's going to be way, way more of a struggle than people think. Um, I, I, I'm right with you. That line is too high. And I think it actually opened at like 18 and a half, didn't it? And then it was bet up to 22. Uh, when you say open, what are you
0: like this week? Like on Sunday when it oh. opened, it was like 18 and a half. Uh, I can double check that, but I know in the summer, you know, they some books will release future lines that come out, you know, in June and July, and I want to say it was twenty one at that point. So okay. before well, any games have been played.
1: Either way, twenty two is too high. It's it's too high of a line for this game. Um, so I, I just yeah I, I think Nebraska's defense is well above average. They're experienced and they're going to make plays. They're going to make life difficult on Spencer Rattler at times. Um, I'm going to go with OU winning this game thirty eight to twenty one. I do. I agree with you. I think Nebraska is going to move the ball at times. I think they're also going to turn it over a lot, though, too. And OU has already I, OU's got six takeaways already this year. I mean, that's, that's pretty sweet. That, uh, that's, I don't remember the last time that's happened. So hopefully that's a trend that continues because Nebraska, they desperately want to give you the ball <laughs> if you watch them. They, they
0: are not very careful with the ball at times. Uh, so Not a math guy, but I believe that's three per game. Three takeaways per game. I believe you I are that's right. What that, that comes out to. Yeah. So
1: what I think, I you know, I think he's going to win 38 to 21. I do think Martinez is probably going to break contain, escape a few times, probably hit Ture for a few big plays. Uh, you know, that's kind of just life under this defense. It's so very aggressive. People are going to hit plays every now and then. Uh, I, 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 for whatever reason, I do trust. OU at this point in time now to kind of get off the field in any way possible with turnovers. I do think they're going to have lots of TFLs. I think they're going to get to Martinez a handful of times. Um, I don't think it's going to be a super pretty game, but I think they're going to come away with a solid 17 point victory and just a lot more stuff to build on, you know, as the year goes on because this is far, far from a finished product. Um, but of course, obviously, I want to see them absolutely just destroy Nebraska. That's what I would prefer to see. I would very much like to see like a, you know, like a 55 to 14 or a... I would I would love to see OU just jump on them, score a touchdown the first three possessions. Um, that would be great to see. If they do, then I think you're going to probably start hearing the OU fan base get excited again and be like, okay, this is
0: this is what we pictured, this is what we thought. But uh, we'll see. I totally agree. All right, let's slide in. The last portion of the show, we always talk about the Big 12 and then the national scene. We are on a bit of a time crunch here, so pretty interesting non-conference game, though. West Virginia is at home against number 15 Virginia Tech, and the Mountaineers are favored by a field goal in that game. The only thing I want to say about this is, well, I'll preface this. I told you this off the air. Unfortunately, I have not had a chance to watch much college football outside of Oklahoma so far this season. So when it comes to what I think about these games or picks, it's based off of what I've heard from other people. Other experts, podcasts, things like that. Uh, but when it comes to West Virginia laying three at home against a ranked team, we were talking about this before the show started. I'm pretty sure there's a betting principle of take the home favorite, even though they're not ranked, because I, I there's I think there's some stats that say like a lot of the public will see oh a ranked opponent is getting points, <laughs> sign me up. And for whatever reason, I mean, there's a reason why a team that's not ranked is favored, and that's usually because they're the better team, and that's usually a pretty good bet, so I think if I had to bet this game, I would, I would lay the three with West Virginia, even though I have not seen either of these teams play one snap of football so far this year.
1: Uh, both offenses, not very explosive. Both uh, defenses, both, you know, the, the strength of, of both teams. This is Virginia Tech's first away game this season, first game on the road. I'm assuming West, it's going to be a packed house at West Virginia, um, and Vegas clearly sees these two teams as equals. And they're giving West Virginia the three points for being at home. I think West Virginia is a good bet here. Definitely. Uh, just with the first time they've probably played in front of a full crowd at home uh, since t- 2019. And then Virginia Tech coming in a little bit offensively challenged, even though their defense is, is very good. Uh, low scoring game, but I, you know, I, I think West Virginia is going
0: to win that game. So, uh, kind of an interesting matchup. Nevada is at K State, and I mean K State, I guess, didn't play all that well last week. Nevada is a short favorite on the road. I don't have any comments on that game. Do you have anything on that one? We no? don't know, okay. just
1: because you know uh, <laughs> who's that. What's who's who's Kansas State's quarterback now? I, his name is escaping me. Oh, is it? Is it? Is that Will Howard? Will Howard. Thank is you. That right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we don't know. Uh, like Skylar Thompson is out for an undetermined amount of time I don't, I don't know what that means so uh and nevada's pretty good uh carson strong is a is a capable thrower and so uh i i think this is a test for kansas state but also that you know them being two-point dogs at home sort of makes me like Egh. but you know if i if if i was a better
0: in this i would stay far away from this game i just have no idea yeah a big 12 play begins for baylor in kansas baylor is at kansas okay uh Seems if to me watching like you take that game, Kansas. You are here. degenerate, <laughs> really?
1: Yeah, I take Kansas just because I don't think Baylor's defense or offense is very good, and um, we'll see. I mean, like, is it going to surprise me if Kansas loses by thirty? Of course not. Uh, but I, in terms of just like being, I, I think the the shrewd, the prudent bet
0: there was probably Kansas. Yeah, if a gun is to your head and you are saying bet this game, but also uh, if you
1: are, I mean, if if you are betting Kansas in anything, you are kind of crazy. So stay away <laughs> yeah. from it.
0: You uh, you just you love laying money on the line, and you just love football, and you know what? More power to you. Florida International is at Texas Tech. Texas twenty point home favorite. Who cares? Uh, Texas is going to try to bounce back against Rice. Casey Thompson getting the starting quarterback job. I don't. I guess he played. What the? Did you watch much of that game? He played the fourth quarter, I guess, against Arkansas. Yeah, and right? he looked You know, right.
1: he he looked a lot more comfortable than Card did, but he also came in the game when it was already out of reach. So, sure, I you know. Yeah. Already just one they lose one game and already it's just like Texas is just Texasing all over themselves. And I Man, just that's boy, I was sorry, I was gonna say I'm sorry, like I it's go ahead. Sark moving off of Hudson Card that quickly is a mistake. That is he that is the wrong move. Hudson card looked good against Louisiana. You picked him after an entire off season of spring practice, fall practice, all of that stuff. I'm I'm far from the first person who've made this who's made this point, but going off of him that quickly, how does Casey Thompson feel now? Like he's he's probably thinking to himself, I have to be perfect, or I'm I'm done. Like I'm gonna, he's just and so I don't know, man. I don't know. It, like you you hope that Sark didn't make that decision because he bowed to pressure or anything like that. But I just if you if you chose Hudson Card after all of the off season, how come just 40 plays at on the road at Arkansas made you change your mind? That doesn't make any sense to me. Hudson Card looked good against Louisiana. There were some good like you could see his talent. He made some really nice throws. I and I know Casey Thompson has been he was really good in their bowl game last year and maybe he is better. Maybe he he will be better for them, but I already
0: already a lot of dysfunction in Austin and I love it. It's great. <laughs> So I'm with you as far as the quarterback decision. My thing is, you're right. This is the guy you picked, Hudson Card. And now, just after one bad game, you make the move. My thought is, okay, Steve Sarkeesian, we've all praised his creativity he had with Alabama. He's an offensive guy. He seems like he knows what he's doing on the offensive side of the football. Like, just like how Lincoln Riley, we all love his offensive acumen. That's his thing. And if, if anything's ever going wrong offensively, which really nothing has gone wrong, for the most part at OU with Lincoln Riley there, it's, it's been a really good offense for the most part. Obviously there's, there's games here and there where you're like, yeah it's not quite up to standard, but he's been probably the best offensive of mind in college football. Steve Sarkeesian's not at that level, obviously, but I, he's getting a lot of praise and he's, he's a veteran coach. So my point, what I'm getting to is that it's not a great sign. If your first, <laughs> if your first season at Texas, you're this offensive guy, you're coming to make some changes, be creative. And, if you can't figure out the quarterback, like you don't know how to make the right decision, like what if Casey Thompson is better? Okay, that'll end up working out better for Texas long term, but why couldn't you see that then before? Like what that's your job. That's what you should be really good at as an offensive guy in college with that experience. It's like you should not be able you should not be missing on the quarterback. That should be easy for you. And what's the old adage? It's like if you're not really sure you have two quarterbacks and you don't have any quarterback. You haven't picked anybody. And and you know how much of that with Lincoln Riley in the past? He has like the, the Austin Kendall's and the Tanner Mordecai's. I mean, it, there was never a question. I mean, he, he wanted us to think there was a question in fall camp, but there was never a question, obviously. And for the first time now, he's got Rattler and also another five-star blue chipper guy with Caleb Williams. But there still isn't a question. It's still Spencer Rattler. That's, I, th- I find that pretty interesting that it's immediately a problem for Sarkeesian that he clearly has not made the right call with the quarterback.
1: One last point, and we got to move on on this. Uh, just, it's just a, a friendly reminder that – Steve Sarkeesian has been the head coach at two other college football programs, USC and Washington. Texas is a much more difficult situation in terms of administration, boosters, fan bases. And I will just remind everybody at those two previous institutions, Steve Steve Sarkeesian
0: was an average to slightly above average head coach. All right. uh, Next game, Oklahoma State at Boise State. Intriguing matchup, Oklahoma State- uh, Boise State's favored by four. I, I mean, I, I, this this has all the makings, though, of one of those games where Mike Gundy's an underdog. He comes out, and his team looks a lot better than they put on film for the first two weeks. But I I really don't want to touch this game because I don't think Oklahoma State's very good. But what if they have a good game in them?
1: I don't I don't I don't want to touch this game either. I think this game actually could fall into the principle that you were we were just talking about five minutes ago with, you know, it's, it's kind of a fishy line. I think everyone would assume that Oklahoma State may be favored there. But then Boise State, you know, it's like Oklahoma State's getting four points. So I, I think, honestly, I, I think the right play there, if you're going to bet it, is Boise, probably. Um, but, you, yeah, but just I, like you, I have no idea because I, you know, Oklahoma State, they have a lot of the same players that they had last season. And there were times last year, and they, they were bogged down on offense quite a bit last year, but they were also a pretty darn good team last year. Top to bottom, for the most part. So I think there is probably a little bit more ability there that just we haven't seen so far from Oklahoma State. And just like with you, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they play well in this game and win. I just I as from a betting perspective, I'd stay far far away from it.
0: Yeah, I guess Joe Schmo better you know sees the records. OSU's two and O and Boise State's I think one and one. They might be thinking, oh yeah, why is Boise State favorite? But I mean. To, uh, to me I mean it, it makes sense I mean like the lines move from three and a half to four so I mean money is coming in on Boise State but yeah I it, it, Oklahoma State just doesn't have uh, losing Tylan Wallace has been a, a big deal they, they don't have like Braylon Presley's not been able to do much yet like they don't have the the exciting receiver play on the outside yet Tay Martin's been hurt uh Braden Johnson's been hurt so anyways yeah I I know we got going uh this is kind of interesting I mean Iowa State's playing on the road at UNLV but they're playing where the Raiders play so that's kind of neat there'll be more Iowa State fans there
1: there'll be more Iowa State (laughs) fans there than you I'm like certain Iowa State fans will are gonna big time travel to that game it's Vegas yeah why not it's that's fun you get to play you get to see that new stadium yeah that'd be cool I think Uh, 31 and and a half points kick far too much for this Iowa State team far far too much um Obviously, if you're gonna bet this game UNLV for sure, but it's gonna be like an, it's gonna be like a home game for Iowa State. They'll they'll muddle by
0: and they'll they'll win by like two touchdowns. All right, let's go to the national scene. And our picks so far this year through the first two weeks have been pretty bad. You're four and six, I am three and seven. Some pretty interesting matchups this week. Michigan State is at number 24 Miami. The Hurricanes are laying six points. We talked about this before the show started. Grant, sounds like you are all over the Spartans.
1: Yeah, i go with Michigan. I just don't think Miami is good. I think, they're, <laughs> I think they're average to below average. Uh, I, I was talking to you about this before he hopped on. Manny Diaz is not a good coach. He, just, he, he particularly just has not been successful uh, anywhere he's been. So I, I, don't, I don't know why people expect that to kind of just start to become the case also dear king is not healthy and it's clear just go watch the alabama game
0: yeah and i haven't seen these teams play at all yet i'll take your word for it i'll back michigan state as well although i i really hate the idea of backing mel tucker the michigan state head coach i don't think he's a very good coach i i but you know what i'm scarred by his time as the bears defensive coordinator in the nfl and that's back when the bears were one of the the worst defenses that franchise has ever had so, granted, that's probably not fair to him because I know he ended up going to Alabama and, and he was part of one of those you know, coaches that got rehabbed by Nick Saban, blah, blah, blah. Now he's got been a head coach. I think he was at Colorado. Now he's at Michigan State. But, uh, yeah, not the biggest fan of him. Bama's at Florida. Bama's laying 14 and a half on the road. You, you can't make a line too high for Alabama. So there, I mean, I watched a little bit of that Florida game last week against South Florida. That, Florida's offense is not good. A- Alabama's defense is going to be able to slow down that Florida offense. So I, I definitely would lay the fourteen and a half with Alabama if I had to. What do you think? I'm going to take Florida on this one, just because
1: they're getting that extra half point. And I'm this is me. Hey, of course, if Alabama covers, that's not going to shock a single soul in the entire world. It's, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting that there is maybe something a little bit more to them being kind of sleepwalking through Mercer, and you know their offense bogging down at times. I think I think Florida is going to give them a pretty good game. I think Alabama is going to win, but I, I do think Florida is going to cover that number. I don't I don't have any other thoughts on it other than it's really early in the season, and uh, this is this is a this is kind of a unique early season test for a Nick Saban team. We, we don't see this very often.
0: Real quick, I know you used to talk about how the principle of a mobile dynamic type quarterback was kind of the the way to beat a Nick Saban defense. Does that still stand up? Because no. Florida has got. OK, because I say because Florida's got kind of two quarterbacks, they got the Emory Jones guy that played against Oklahoma and they have another guy that I couldn't tell you his name, but he's like ran for a bunch of yards like, like so. Like, both just those like guys are more running quarterbacks. It's funny, right? I mean, it's like, of course,
1: of course, it's easier to score on Alabama if you have a quarterback that can run and throw. I mean, that's like, sure. Yeah, like Deshaun Watson had a lot of success against Alabama, <laughs> but and Kyler Murray at times did. So, no, I mean, no, I, I don't think there's much to that. I um I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of a bit a bit more of a lower scoring game than
0: people anticipate, but whatever. Let's let's move on to the next one. All right, Auburn's at Penn State, top twenty-five matchup. The Nittany Lions are favored by five. I I, I have no I have no idea about this game. I haven't seen these guys play. What do you think? I'm gonna take Auburn.
1: Uh, just from the idea being, Penn State was was really lucky to win against Wisconsin. Like really, really lucky. Um, and I know they they played pretty well last week playing against a cupcake. Uh, I just don't think their offense is very good at all. Um, Penn State can clearly play defense, like clearly, but I I just I I don't think Penn State is really that much different than what you typically would see from Wisconsin and Iowa in the Big Ten, where they're gonna they're gonna clamp you down on defense but really struggle on offense. Um, and I'm just I know this may be sort of maybe not smart, but Auburn is an SEC team and they almost certainly have better players than Penn State.
0: Yeah, the more I think about it, I definitely like Auburn as well. Uh, Brian Harson seems like I mean that offense, uh, I'm not sure they played this year, but they're scoring a lot of points. they've not they played anybody. They played FCS
1: and then a real, and then a crappy team after that, but I mean that's that's more than Auburn was was struggling to score on anybody a couple of years ago or or last year and so and Brian yeah, Harson yeah. quietly has been has been pretty good he was pretty good at boise state surprisingly um and that may have actually been kind of a sneaky shrewd good hire by auburn uh maybe like i i I doubt brian hartson's gonna win any national championships but it wouldn't surprise me if he consistently wins nine to ten games a year there
0: yeah they put up 60 on akron and 62 on alcorn state next game arizona state at byu arizona state is laying four on the road And, uh, you know, I I like Arizona State a lot coming into this season. But, man, BYU manhandled Utah, a team that I picked to win the Pac-12. BYU getting – and you kind of convinced me of this before the show – BYU getting points at home uh, after – I mean, granted, a possible letdown game coming off a big rivalry matchup by BYU. Yeah, now that I
1: think about it, though, it's like I think a lot of people are going to be on BYU in this game. And I kind of feel like actually the smart bet is to go against the public. Right, the public is definitely going to be – beyond BYU here uh yeah yeah you're probably right and And so actually yeah I'm gonna go with Arizona State that's that that's you're getting more
0: value there I think I'm gonna go ASU as well just based on my preseason thoughts about them and so far they played pretty well through two games and nothing has happened as far as all their penalties and stuff so yeah you know outside of of the outside of like you know the the recruiting
1: violations which honestly if you read into them just are not that big of a deal there I know a lot of people are going to disagree but they're they're just not that egregious. And, um, yeah, I, since Herm Edwards has been there, on the field, Arizona State has been pretty buttoned up and competent. And, uh, you know, you couldn't say the same thing for Utah last week at BYU. And I think for a lot of people, that game is going to be fresh in, in their minds, BYU and Utah last week.
0: And that's why I think Arizona State is probably the better value. Yeah, I bet this, the line was probably a lot bigger before last week I bet like maybe Arizona State was laying like a touchdown and now you're getting them less I'm just guessing I don't know just uh lastly uh, this is I mean here in this part of the country Oklahoma fans we're all going to be paying attention to this one this is super interesting Tulane is at number 17 Ole Miss seven o'clock kick on Saturday Ole Miss is a two touchdown favorite favored by 14 and you know this is one of those things where like preseason, I bet I, I bet Ole Miss was favored by like 21 or you know maybe like so really there's probably more value in taking Ole Miss here minus the 14 because you know things have changed since the start of the year but obviously all of us want to see Tulane play Ole Miss well and we we want to see them play against another team to just kind of get more of a gauge of where Oklahoma is at uh, if I had to make a play, honestly I I think I'd lay the points I think I'd lay the points with Ole Miss but I hope I'm wrong what do you think
1: yeah I'd take Ole Miss here too uh, just because. This is one of those games where we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams, right? And if, if Tulane comes into this game and challenges Ole Miss or even wins this game, then Tulane is, is clearly one of the favorites in their conference to win the conference. Um, if they come in and, and compete, they're almost certainly a top 25 level team. I'm not really, I'm not ready to jump to that yet, but the stage is set for Tulane. We'll, we'll see what they got, we'll see if they can recreate it.
0: Absolutely, because they got this game and then they get into their conference schedule and then, the, I mean, their, their biggest game the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're in the American. You know, they got Cincinnati on the schedule. Uh, but yeah, man, it sure would be nice if Tulane, I mean, plays Ole Miss really tight. And I mean, obviously a win would be incredible just for Oklahoma, I mean, for what it would make Oklahoma feel like and look like. And, and to see Tulane go through this, this schedule and play a lot better would make us feel a lot better about that week one game. Uh, that, that everyone knows that, that's, that's obvious. But I think uh, it's interesting right. because
1: OU and Ole Miss... And like, obviously, it's not exactly the same, but sort of similar offenses. Um, they kind of want to do the same thing. They want to, you know, they, they want to throw the ball down the field a lot. Um, you know, I don't think Ole Miss puts a, puts as much of an emphasis on running the ball. But we know Tulane's got a good run defense. You know, I mean, they, they had a great run defense last season, and it looked like they did a good job against OU two weeks ago. So, yeah, that, that's one I'm, I'm actually really excited to watch that game just as a gauge. So uh, I don't got anything else. Lee, do you?
0: All right. Nope. I am good as well. So that's our OU Nebraska preview and our quick picks for the week. But once again, remember, we are both below 500 so far this year. So uh, it's it's you're, you're taking a, a tall task if you're taking our betting advice right now. Uh, but it's all for fun. All right. Enjoy the OU Nebraska game. I'm actually not going to be there. I'm not going to be at this one. I, I decided to uh, watch this one from the station, which I'm OK with. That's fine. I've been to plenty of OU games. Uh, No big deal. Obviously, you're going to be at uh, what time is the uh, the Minnesota game? So it's it's an
1: 11 a.m. local time here. So it's it's a noon kick where you are. So yeah, I'll be able to you know I'll watch the first hour of the OU game. Um, You know, I'm 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 at a bachelor party where uh, you know all of my friends obviously know that I am a huge OU Bobo. So you know they're they're not going to be upset if I'm if I have the game on my phone and stuff like that. In fact, they probably expect it. So, uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll know what's going on in the game. And, of course, I'll have it DVR'd. And I'll, when I get home on Sunday night, I'll, I'll rewatch the entire thing, I'm sure. All
0: right, perfect. Well, uh, again, enjoy the game. Hopefully it goes well for Oklahoma. And have a great college football and NFL weekend. We'll be back to recap the OU Nebraska game either Sunday or Monday. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.